means testing means that are we targeting the people that need it or getting it or the people getting it that maybe could do without. So I said means testing. I said work requirements. Those are all very, very important. Then that way you target children. Target children? With work requirements? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. What are you talking about, I Joe Manchin? Right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am. Stuck in the middle with you. Uh, here I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO and Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's. AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Amongst other fine affiliates, blanketing planet Earth five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around Swell Fellow says, me from Bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, Desi Doyne, some good news today. Oh, yay. Good news. Finally. Yes, well, it is actually one of those rare days when I am not upset at all, not in the least, about some late-breaking news that has otherwise thrown off at least some of what I was planning to cover today. All righty. And uh, may actually give me a bit more time to discuss... You know, what I actually wanted to talk about with my guest rather than this idiocy, which maybe is behind us now. I've been saying for several weeks, I do not know how this Republican legislative and economic terrorism ends when it comes to their their filibuster of Democratic uh, Party attempts to raise the debt ceiling in Congress The ability for the U.S. to borrow money to pay our bills on stuff that we have already spent, including the $8 trillion that the Republicans approved spending over the past four years under Donald Trump. Well, uh, maybe now we know how it all ends, at least for now, at least for the moment, to avoid uh, fiscal calamity, as the uh, Treasury Secretary uh, Janet Yellen has has described it. It looks like Mitch McConnell and the Republicans have blinked. As New York Times reported Wednesday afternoon, Senator Mitch McConnell bowing to the immediate threat of a federal default for the first time in U.S. history, said Republicans will allow Democrats to raise the debt ceiling into December. <laughs> But he refused to lift his blockade of a long-term increase in the government's borrowing limit. Well, good enough, Mitch. I'll take it. 
And uh, hopefully so will the Democrats for the moment. And uh, also, too, by the way, it also makes clear that this debt ceiling nonsense that he and the Republicans have been doing is frankly nothing more than political posturing for their base. And hopefully it means the Democrats can ignore similar economic terrorism from the GOP caucus regarding the good faith and, and credit of the U.S. dollar in the future. Because, yes, as I see it, Mitch McConnell and the Republicans blinked, even if they're only doing it for two months, even if there are some condi conditions attached here. Clearly, the Republicans understand how unbelievably devastating and unprecedented and stupid and stupid this would be. Now, of course, we've, we've pointed out they might not see it as stupid because even though it would tank the entire U.S. economy and perhaps the global economy, they were betting that, oh, uh, yes, even though it's clearly their fault. By the time we get around to next year and when we have such a terrible economy because of all of this that, uh, you know, voters will blame the party in power, particularly when the party in power controls the White House and the uh, uh, the the, Cong uh, the Senate and the House of Representatives. Yeah, they're betting that the public will not understand the nuance of the fact that the Republicans were filibustering the vote to proceed to raise the debt ceiling. And Democrats were saying, we'll raise it, let us do it, get out of the way, but Republicans filibustered that. Yeah, and by the way, that might be a good bet that we would get to 2022 and there's so much uh, right-wing misinformation mm -hmm. out there right now about all of this. That, you know, a year later, yeah, it's it's the Democrats' fault, and voters would buy it. Anyway, the offer, according to the Times, appeared to reflect some nervousness on the part of Republicans in an escalating standoff over the government's borrowing limit as a first-ever default on federal debt looms in as few as 12 days. McConnell has led his party's refusal to allow Democrats to even take up legislation to lift the cap on their own, instead demanding that they employ a complicated and time-consuming budget maneuver called reconciliation to do so. In a statement on Wednesday, McConnell said Republicans would, quote, allow Democrats to use normal procedures to pass an emergency debt limit extension at a fixed dollar amount to cover current spending levels into December. The proposal offered a way out of the short-term fiscal crisis facing the nation and a means for McConnell to diffuse criticism that his party was acting recklessly in blocking Democrats from addressing it. It also confronted Democrats with the prospect of a politically uncomfortable vote that some of them had wanted to avoid embracing a set dollar amount by which they would raise the debt cap. In other words, Republicans had been demanding the Democrats specifically cite a specific dollar amount that they couldn't just suspend the debt limit for the time being, as Republicans often do, with Democrats helping them do that, by the way. At least when Republicans hold the majorities in Congress and when there is a Republican in the White House. They want Democrats to lift the ceiling by, uh, you know, however many trillions of dollars is needed to pay for all of the stuff that Republicans have already voted to spend so that they can then mislead their duped supporters that, oh, Democrats raise the debt by whatever trillions of dollars, even though Democrats didn't raise the debt 
Republicans did that themselves when they approved, for example, adding some eight trillion to the debt under Donald Trump or when they gave uh, two trillion dollars to the wealthy and corporations and tax breaks back in, in 2017. The only thing that the Democrats are doing now would be giving approval to the U.S. Treasury Department to borrow the money that would be needed to pay for all of that previous spending. But you know what? The Republicans are going to go ahead and lie, as we said, as about whatever the Democrats do. So uh, so be it. You know, save the economy from GOP terrorism and move on to real legislative action that the American people will feel like the proposed three point five trillion dollar build back better program that even at three point five trillion is fully paid for with a tiny increase on taxes to the rich. And yes, uh, even the unpaid for uh, smaller infrastructure bill that Republicans are just fine with, even though it increases the national debt, we can move forward with passing that as well. <sighs> McConnell may be uh, showing concern, the Times reports, about other Democratic Party uh, and yes, by the way, small d Democratic alternatives, such as carving out an exception to the filibuster rule, which effectively requires uh, 60 votes to move forward with most legislation. It has uh, been done before for uh, for judicial and executive branch nominees, including Supreme Court nominees. But doing so unilaterally to raise the debt ceiling by the Democrats, if that was the only choice they had left, uh, would be a lurch toward ending the filibuster for all policy matters and instituting straight majority rule. There's an idea. Majority rule in a democracy? What? The uh, That move has, of course, long been resisted by uh, institu so-called institutionalists and centrists in both parties, including... Uh, two current Democrats, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, although some leading Democrats argued that this debt ceiling drama might have changed their minds. McConnell's new proposal uh, would do little to resolve the larger impasse over the debt limit, merely postponing a default deadline for a matter of weeks. But that is OK. They can now either work it out, the Democrats, with a simple bill to raise the debt limit a specific amount. And by the way, if it was me, I would tell them to raise it a very specific amount, say two million quadrillion dollars. <laughs> OK, which they could actually do if they want so that this never becomes a stupid weaponized instrument of political terrorism again. Uh, or the uh, Democrats could include it in their budget reconciliation package, the Build Back Better bill, which uh, hopefully by December will have been passed uh, if, of course, they can agree on conditions for passing it, specifically for spending on it and dollar amounts on it that Democrats like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, the lone holdout here, holdouts here uh, that they will uh, that they will agree to. And to that end, Manchin was once again today discussing his concerns about America becoming a so-called entitlement society unless many of the expansive progressive programs proposed in this bill, like the expansion of monthly child tax credits, health care, like uh, including dental vision and hearing in Medicare, 
lowered premiums for Obamacare, two years of free pre-K and community college, paid parental leave, and the first real effort to curb climate change by moving our electric uh, grid off of deadly fossil fuels into cleaner, renewable energy instead. And a lot more, too. Uh, that's the sort of stuff that Manchin is now threatening uh, to kill, unless many of those programs are means-tested before he will approve of this transformative, long-overdue, wildly popular, even in West Virginia, expansion of America's social safety net. Bernie Sanders had a few thoughts in response to Manchin and his call for means-testing today uh, during a presser in D.C. Now, Senator Manchin, as I understand it, talked about today about not wanting to see our country become an entitlement society. Well, I am not exactly sure what he means by that. Does that mean that we end the $300 direct payments for working class parents, which have cut childhood poverty in this country as a result of the American Rescue Plan in half? Is protecting working families and cutting childhood poverty an entitlement? Does Senator Manchin think we should once again have one of the highest levels of childhood poverty of any major country on earth? Why, yes. Yes, he does, actually. (laughs) I I believe he would have no problem with that. He won't say it in so many words, but that's what means testing does. So uh, I don't know, because he sure is uh, making it difficult right now for Democrats, Democrats to try and help all, all Americans, particularly by his demands that these programs be means tested but what exactly does means testing actually mean and why are democrats like manchin so insistent on it let's take a quick break here and we will be joined for some help on that matter by the great will bunch to discuss all of that as he does in his latest weekly newsletter for the philadelphia inquirer that is straight ahead will bunch is here on the broadcast i'm brad friedman Hey, this is Desi. The Bradcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Give me shelter. There's more than one reason to play that song for this segment. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So uh, Democrats are now in an internecine fight over the price tag for some dumb reason of their proposed $3.5 trillion expansion of health care, child care, education and climate change. Those efforts uh, known as the Build Back Better Act to be passed via the reconciliation process in the U.S. Senate that requires no Republicans, allows Democrats to avoid the filibuster so long as they all, all 50 senators who caucus with the Democrats, vote in favor of it. Now, while $3.5 trillion might sound like a lot of money, uh, it's actually spending over the next 10 years. So at $3.5 trillion, that's only $350 billion in new spending per year. 
In fact, on some days, some single days, the Department of Treasury takes in from tax revenue as much as $300 billion on one single day. So $350 billion a year for the federal government is actually not all that much, considering the 30 or 40 years or so of priorities for the American people that are currently jammed into this Build Back Better Act after decades of populist, progressive policies have been pushed to the sidelines by the moneyed D.C. elites. Now, largely the entirety of the Democratic caucus in both chambers of Congress and in the White House are on board with these progressive priorities, all of which are actually paid for in the Build Back Better Act by small increases on the taxes of the wealthy and corporations, small enough that the increases do not even actually restore the higher tax level that the rich and the corporations were paying before the 2017 Donald Trump GOP tax cuts that added nearly $2 trillion to the U.S. deficit. Even now, the smaller bipartisan infrastructure bill that corporatist Democrats like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema helped negotiate with Republicans, that bill does not actually pay for itself. That Manchin and Sinema bill actually adds to the deficit, unlike the Build Back Better Act. Nonetheless, thanks almost entirely to Manchin and Cinema, the president, who again, along with the leaders of the House and the Senate, uh, supports the progressive faction in Congress for the first time in maybe forever. Uh, the president has told the Democrats they're going to have to lower the price tag to accommodate the demands of Manchin and Cinema in order to get any of this transformative stuff passed into law. Now, there are several different ways to lower the overall price tag, that $3.5 trillion 10-year price tag. You can lop off any number of programs of the many progressive programs that you had hoped to include in the package. That's one way. You can keep all of the programs in but spend less on each of them by underfunding them, in other words. You can shorten the length of years that the programs will be funded by this bill, allowing them to invest in all of those programs. But for a shorter time, that's my preferred method of dealing with this sort of pointless demand from Manchin and Cinema. And then there's Joe, Manchin, Joe Manchin's method. Means testing many of these programs. Yes, he also appears to be gunning for outright killing a number of the critical climate components entirely because he's a fossil fuel guy whose family makes millions from the industry each year. But the memo that Joe Manchin gave to Chuck Schumer in late July outlining his $1.5 trillion top line, at least to begin negotiations on Build Back Better, also included a number of other restrictions on the legislation, including what he described as, quote, spending conditions for the various family and health related items in the bill. Specifically, he cited that family and health spending must be, quote, needs based with means testing guardrails. With the senator who has personally benefited immensely from years of government subsidies, yes, government handouts, entitlements, if you will, for the coal and gas industry, telling reporters separately that he wants to make sure that we don't become an entitlement society. I'm just not, so you know, 
I cannot accept our, our economy or basically our society moving towards an entitlement mentality that you're entitled. Okay? I'm more of a rewarding because I can help those who really need help if those who can help themselves do so. Whatever, Joe. Uh, what exactly is means testing anyway? And why do so many progressives like the Philadelphia Inquirer's longtime columnist Will Bunch regard the phrase as he described it in his latest newsletter as two dirty words for America's middle class and the two most insidious and abused words in American politics? Joining us now to explain the tricks and traps behind the dirty words of means testing for federal programs is our old friend Will Bunch, longtime national columnist for the Philadelphia Inquirer and Philadelphia Daily News, where he was and is much beloved for his long-running Attitude blog. Uh, he, he's also authored three full-length books, three Amazon Kindle single books, including 2015's The Burn Identity, a search for Bernie Sanders, and the new American dream. Oh, Will Bunch, welcome back to the broadcast, amigo. Hey, Brad. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, the pleasure is ours. Will, I've got lots to talk to you about, uh, more than we likely have time for. But most importantly here, uh, before we get to means testing, you were in Pittsburgh this week for the Rolling <laughs> Stones concert at Heinz Field. What? How well, was, yeah, I, how I, was I, that? I was, I, was wondering if, I was wondering if you were playing Gimme Shelter, which, is, uh, which was their, uh, one of their two encore songs, by the way, which was just awesome. And, and nice. the woman and The woman, and I wasn't familiar, I don't know her name. I, I, I read it in a review, but uh, the woman who did the Mary Clayton uh, role of, of backup singer duetting with, with Mick Jagger and Gimme Shelter was, was pretty amazing. Wow. So, yeah, it was great. Everything, everything about it was great and uh yeah my my, uh, my son just started working this year in uh pittsburgh as a journalist for the newspaper there the post gazette uh -huh. so uh yeah so the two of us went and had a great time sweet so, uh, and, how and uh it was a real it was a i mean it was a huge bucket list thing for me you know yeah. at the uh, at age 62 as a lifelong fan i'd never seen them in concert before so and, uh, and you may have made it just at the last moment mick jagger yeah. pushing uh pushing 80 i think he's like 78 Se years old 78 years old uh still still strutting his stuff out there and, really and, uh, yeah and uh although, although keith keith's whole uh stick is kind of kind of like how am i still here that's basically his <laughs> act you know uh, yeah yeah. which is uh, pretty it's pretty funny so uh yeah, yeah it was it was a good time nice uh, Nice. Glad you glad you got that in. Not a moment too soon, and glad <laughs> glad they're able to get through a whole two hour show. I I can barely get through a one hour show. Uh, I, I was gonna I was gonna say <laughs> I, it, it was it was less certain that I could make it through two right. hours than them. I think so. Uh. Exactly. Well, uh, of course, I'd much rather be talking about that for the next uh, twenty minutes or so, but. Uh, uh, Politico reports Will Bunch, uh, based on that Mansion memo I mentioned from uh, July 28, only revealed last week, uh, that right. Joe Manchin is calling for means testing on as many new programs as possible, including health care, child care, and education. You describe means testing in your weekly newsletter as, quote, the two most insidious and abused words in American politics. All right, Will. What's wrong with saving taxpayer money uh, by only making certain programs available to those who really need it? Well, there's there's a lot that's wrong with it, Brad. I mean, but uh, I mean, first of all, let's start with this, which is if you look at what types of government programs are are currently means tested mm -hmm. and which ones aren't, uh, 
you know, they certainly they certainly go out of their way to target certain programs that often inaccurately, because many perceptions in politics and government are inaccurate, but they're often perceived to be programs that are aiding black and brown Americans in particular. So, mm-hmm. so programs like food stamps or SNAP and, and uh, 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 programs like the earned income tax credit for lower income families, these are all means-tested programs. Whereas, uh, uh, you know, Medicare, obviously, is a classic example of a mm-hmm. program that's not means-tested, which is why you have these um, white Tea Party-style older people uh, saying, mm-hmm. you know, get, get the government's hands, hands off my Medicare, yes. or whatever, you know, whatever. Well, well, uh, well you, uh, ra- you, know. you raise a good point. Well, if, if Medicare is not means-tested, why, and not that we want it to be, but why do no. we not see guys like Joe Manchin saying, hey, yeah, we, we've got a means-test Medicare? Well, that would be that would be usually unpopular with his voters back in West Virginia. I mean, I mean that's another that's another element here. I mean, for Joe Manchin, uh, you know, calling for means testing and and this rant that you played about the entitlement society. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just perfect for him on every level because on one hand, politically, he certainly does have a part of his electorate in West Virginia who is obsessed with this idea that government aid is going to people who don't deserve it in their mm-hmm. in their opinion you yeah. know whether it's non-white people or people in their hometowns who they think are you know on mm-hmm. drugs or whatever they're convinced that they're convinced that only 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 the undeserving or, mm-hmm. or, or 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 cheaters you know are benefiting from these programs so so politically it helps mansion with those voters but the reality is what you're really doing is you're reducing the you're reducing the size of the programs so you're reducing the amount money that needs to be raised to pay for the programs and, and which means you're reducing the amount that taxes would be increased on these wealthy people and on these corporations who happen to be Joe Manchin's patrons. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean he's usually supported by the US Chamber of Commerce crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't think there's anybody any Democrat in the Senate who's more tied into different lobbyists, you know, the uh, the uh, Exxon Mobile the Ex- mm-hmm. <laughs> Exxon Mobile lobbyist was uh, basically bragging that he's got Manson's office on speed dial, yeah. you know, and, and, and these are the people who benefit, who benefit from less spending on, on social programs. But, uh, and, it, you know, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so there's that, but the thing, what really happens is that people who, uh, are, are entitled to these programs don't get the benefits because of mean test, means testing, because it, it creates all kinds of bureaucratic hoops. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I know, I know one hoop that I've experienced in any, any, any any parents who sent their kid to college or any young people out there who've been to college in the last 10 or 20 years is familiar with having to fill out the FAFSA, mm-hmm. the financial aid form, yeah. uh, which is a gigantic, you know, pain in the rear end. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people just don't fill out forms like that or they don't, or they get, they get lost and they can't complete government forms that, you know, the, the bureaucracy is just a huge disincentive for people, you know, and then also it's just, you know, if it's, if it's a program like food stamps or SNAP, you're just, you know, the more you make them jump through hoops, the more you're heightening the, the feeling of stigma that some people feel about getting government aid. Yeah. And, and they, uh, they just, they just, they forget it and they just give up. And so the utilization rate for these programs, uh, they find that usually a quarter of the people eligible for these programs don't, 
take advantage of them for reasons like that. Just because we've got, we put these uh, bureaucratic uh, hurdles in the way of getting a program that if it was just made available to everyone, then we would all get it. And most importantly, the people who need it the most will get it. You mentioned the uh, stigma, Will Bunch. You know, I was once, uh, years ago, I was once ripped off by my uh, landlord in, uh, in New York City. Uh, who controlled my, uh, you know, apartment that I rented at the time. He demanded several extra months rent for some reason. I don't actually even remember the circumstances other than I eventually, you know, I challenged it and I won and he had to pay me back the money with interest. But, uh, you know, I had to give him for a few months just about everything that I had at the time to, you know, not be thrown out of the house and that meant out of the apartment. And that meant that I had to apply on an emergency basis for food stamps for a few months. And frankly, I felt very ashamed, even though it wasn't my fault in the least. But is it that sort of stigma that develops that, you know, prevents people who need certain services? Uh, You describe uh, describe it as ultimately demoralizing uh, to be middle class in 2020s America. Is it that sort of thing that keeps them from being willing to apply for them when they are seen as programs only for poor people? Oh, yeah. I think that happened a lot during the pandemic. You know, I, I, I know people who, you know, are college-educated people who were on, like, kind of professional career tracks who found themselves suddenly unemployed because of mm-hmm. the pandemic, and they were eligible for food stamps, and it's like, do you, do you take advantage? And I know I know some people who did, you mm-hmm. know, and I think that was the right thing to do. That's why these programs exist. But uh, uh, I, I'm sure during the, during the worst days of the pandemic when everything was on lockdown, that there were millions of people who, who suddenly qualified for food stamps who were like, well, I'm just not the kind of person who, who's, uh, you know, their self-image, their, mm-hmm. you know, their, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, their self esteem, you know, even though they paid, myself, you know, even though right they paid now. for it, even though they, you know, yeah. they paid taxes for it for exactly that social safety net when they need it. Uh, and and uh, Harold Myerson over at the uh, the American Prospect writes, uh, referring to the Mansion memo that was uh, revealed last week. Quote: I presume that means means testing the vision, hearing, and dental care that the government would cover under this uh, proposed. Medicare expansion. He said, I, pre- I presume that means means testing eligibility for pre-K because the Democrats currently uh, include a proposal for two years of free pre-K and two years of community college. With Myerson adding, though once we're means testing pre-K, it's hard to see why governments at all level don't means test K itself, not to mention K through 12. Well, why not? Well, if we're going to means test pre-K... Yeah. I, I have no. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I wrote about that in my column. I, I and I also I wrote about that, and I also talked about the example. And this this was also really highlighted during the pandemic of the school lunches. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, what 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 could possibly more create a stigma for young people than who's getting free school lunches and who's not? Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. and everything else about school is free. I mean, you know, supposedly anyway. I mean. They don't charge you to buy textbooks, for example, for mm-hmm. your ninth grade math class, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. But lunch, they had this whole bureaucracy. And as, as we know, this whole thing came out a couple years ago about lunch shaming, where kids who were on the didn't qualify for free lunch, but their family wasn't paying for whatever reason. And, that, you know, they were, like, denied lunch and, like, shamed, basically, because your family's, your family's not paying. And what? I, I mean, the whole system is insane, you know. And... Uh, <laughs> I mean the community college thing. I'm I'm very focused on that. I just I'm happy to say I just in fact uh, 
as of last weekend, I officially, officially, officially finished working on a book that's coming out in 2022 from, from William Morrow. Um, I can tell you the title, although mm-hmm. it's not 100% decided, but basically the book is about the role that college and higher education played in causing our great political divide in this country. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's really, I mean, I learned a lot researching the book. It's really interesting. So, so I'm very focused on higher education issues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the idea, and, and they're, you know, they're particularly talking about mean testing for community college, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Biden's plan would, would finance making community college free for everybody, which, right. when you think about it, it just makes sense. I mean, this, this was recommended by a presidential commission under Harry Truman in 1947. Yes. That just like K-12 is free, the first two years of education after that should also be free. This idea has been around for 75 years, and, you know, we can't get it together. And, like, with means testing, you're going to have the same thing. People are going to be, you know, not able to deal with the, the bureaucracy, and, and deserving people aren't going to fill out the forms or, or get admitted. And, you know, why? I mean, who, who, are these, who are these billionaire kids, you know, dying to take advantage of free community college? Community college, college right. They're, I mean, these, these are the people who are... To the contrary, they're you know spending five hundred thousand dollars to like bribe bribe their way into USC, right? Mm-hmm. You know that they're uh, you know they're, they're pretending their kid is a is a crew star so that they right. can uh, be recruited for the crew team and paying some guy off to to make it happen. You know they're not they're not dying to you know send their kid to Delaware County Community College and, for and two if years a, for free. Yeah, you and, know. and if a family is making you know say $450,000 a year, which is what uh, they would have to be making in order to see their taxes go up through this uh, Build Back Better bill as it's currently structured. If they want to send their kid to community college for free, seems like it's going to be sort of rare, as you say, but why is that a problem? Do we care? Yeah. They put they paid for I mean, it. I mean, you know, I mean, here, here in the affluent suburbs of, of Philadelphia, they're are many many people who make four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year who send their kids to high school and you know what it's free you know yes. um, you know it's just uh, uh, w- why is it okay for twelfth grade but it's not okay for thirteenth and fourteenth grade it's just it's just it's just ridiculous and and right. so you know but but the point I try to make in the column or one of the points I try to make is I mean let's just focus what's really going on here they're really trying to squeeze every dollar to not go to, to middle-class and working-class families. And all those dollars that they squeeze, they throw into bigger tax cuts for billionaires or for corporations. Yeah, you know? and, and uh, there's no debate about means testing for, for, for those uh, tax cuts, it doesn't seem to me. <laughs> uh, you know, Will Bunch... It's, uh, so it's, 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 like, it's like reverse means testing, almost. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the more means... You, the more means you have, the more we're going to bend over backwards <laughs> to cut your taxes. Yes, and the more money you're going to make. Right, exactly. Uh, uh, you know, so-called moderate uh, Democratic Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia, he recently told Bill, a Business Insider, as you note in your column, that he believes the concept of two years of tuition-free public community college can survive the current impasse over uh, Biden's plan, but only if the program is means-tested. Now, to be fair... I can't tell if that's because he wants it to be means tested or if he's sort of conceding to folks like Manchin uh, to say that's what they're going to have to do. But I understand why Republicans like to impose means testing, largely, in my opinion, because it's then easier to kill those programs. You know, they can be marginalized as giveaways, so-called entitlements to poor people. 
uh, you know, Reagan's sadly successful targeting of so-called welfare queens. And then it makes it easier to gut and kill those programs. But why would a Democrat, even a Joe Manchin, fall for it? I mean, is there any good that actually comes out of it? I, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, it's, the thing that's happening right now in Washington is, is you know, this plan was put out to spend, and, and I think I think you nailed it in your introduction. I mean, I I, I, I don't call it the three point five trillion dollar plan anymore. I have I did use that. Mm-hmm description once or twice but now now i'm, I'm trying to only call it the 350 billion dollar a year plan because right. i think that gives the better people a better sense of what we're what we're talking about here mm-hmm. uh, uh it's a more realistic figure and um i mean it seems pretty obvious that for no other reason than you know joe manchin and kirsten cinema saying no there's really no other reason but it's not going to be that large um and I mean, who knows what what Cinema wants? I mean, Manchin, you know, came out and said his figure was one point five billion. I mean, I, I mean, as much as I trillion, yeah, trillion, uh, trillion, trillion. Thank you. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, one point five trillion. I mean, as much as I despise Manchin, I mean, at least at least he's engaging in a negotiation. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really accept the basis of his negotiation, but at least at least he's engaging in one. And so, presumably, you know, he would come up from that. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Bernie Sanders and. President Biden would come down from 3.5 trillion, and you know you meet kind of in the middle. Although I think they're actually talking about more on Mansion side, you know, like 2.1 trillion. So, mm-hmm. so, so now you're cutting money out of this original agenda. So, like you said, what do you cut? Do you cut just entire programs from it? You know, do you like do you drop free community college altogether, for example? Um, well, and I or, to... or or do you try and keep all the programs, but but provide less money for all of them and then you know this 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 gives momentum to this means testing argument because it's like well we've got to cut it somehow so this way we're still keeping community college you know for for working class people and like mm-hmm. these billionaires who aren't going to do it anyway you know are now ineligible but we're going to save money that way you, somehow you know and it's, and they're, they're trying to make this thing work and um it's just it's just a bad idea. And and you underscore something that I had seen separately uh, at uh, MSNBC. You underscored this as well. Just to, just to point out how ridiculous this all becomes when you start thinking this way. A proposed instant tax credit when you buy an electric car that's included in the Democrats' plan as a one of their big initiatives to fight climate change. But as MSNBC reported this week, there might be an income cap for that, too, even though the whole point is to get as many people as humanly possible to switch from fossil fueled power vehicles. So why would you put a means test on that if I mean that that begins to defeat the idea of the entire program? And I think uh, that example points out how ridiculous it becomes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, a, a gas guzzler that's driven by a billionaire uses <laughs> as much gas and you know fossil fuels as a gas guzzler driven by yeah. his, the night watchman at his company. You know, right. I mean, uh, it really the, the goal here is to reduce carbon emissions. It, it has nothing to do with income. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, and you say, well, you know, people people who make people with higher incomes can afford better cars. Yeah, that's true, but we just want to give them, you know, this incentive is to get them to buy an electric vehicle because that benefits everybody. And they probably will buy a more expensive electric vehicle. So be it. 
Uh, Will Bunch, uh, how how should the Democrats, uh, if they are forced to lower the cost of the bill, as appears to be the case, uh, largely being forced by just two Democratic senators in the uh, in the in the caucus mansion and cinema. But if they are forced to implement means testing on some of these programs, should they do so if there is no other choice at this point? Or how would you and or how would you like to see them solve this problem? That's a good question. I, I, I mean, for me, it's hard. I, I mean, I feel that when I look at the list, and, and, and by the way, I mean, a, another pet peeve of mine really is, is when we talk about this debate going on in Washington, we don't talk enough about the actual programs and what they would do. Right. You know, um, you know to, me, to me, not funding any of these things. I mean, I mean climate change is, is a life or death issue. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, uh, the, uh, the tax credit for... The child tax credit. I mean, we've just yep. seen what 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 a boon that's been to help families put food on their table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, child care. There was just a new study that came out this week comparing U.S. spending on on child care for for people in that in that age bracket to other nations, and mm-hmm. we're just a fraction of what almost any other developed country in the world spends on child care. I mean, I mean, all of these things are essential. So, um, you know. I always feel like as a columnist and as, you know, is somebody in that realm, I mean, my job isn't to make compromises. My job is to advocate for what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand that politicians have, do have to make compromises. But in this case, I mean, these programs are so essential. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I guess if you're going to cut you got to start this. Well, if you got if you got ten years of uh, you know whatever program, pick one of the programs, the expansion of uh, of uh, uh, Medicare to cover you know dental uh, glasses uh, and hearing aids and so forth. If that is planned for ten years and it has a certain cost, shouldn't uh, Democrats at this point just say, okay, fine, we'll cut it in half. We'll, We'll only do it for five years, and good luck to the Congress that comes in in five years. Uh, and is, you know, forced to uh, not renew that program to give hearing aids to seniors. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess, right. I mean, I, I don't know if that's part of the, the, the discussion that's going on, but that would be a way to do it is, is reduce, you know, if, if you're going to if you're going to talk about it in terms of the 10 year size, mm-hmm. then reduce the number of years. And now it becomes a, a, two, a two trillion dollar mm-hmm. program or whatever. But like you said, you know. God only knows what kind of preachers are going to be roaming the halls of Congress yeah. five years from now. Um, well, um, yeah, but you know, you don't, do. Do they want to be the ones after five years of Americans getting monthly checks, three hundred dollars, you know, checks for each child? Do they want to be the one that says, "Oh, sorry, all of America, you no longer get this, uh, th- you know, three hundred dollars uh, check each month." Yeah, but yeah, but I mean, they already put themselves in that situation last this past year, right? By authorizing the program as part mm-hmm. of the uh, COVID relief package, right? And giving it such a short sunset date, and you know, and I think, I think there's, I think there's this belief that uh, you know, once we get a program like this going. There's no way it's there's no way it's going to be stopped and 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 there is there is some precedent for that obviously I mean I mean once once the flag for Obamacare was planted in the ground yeah we see we've seen that it was impossible to get rid of yep uh, but past performance doesn't guarantee future <laughs> results you know I I, I I don't I don't know you know especially given 
the ever worsening dynamic in Washington. You know, I'm I'm just not sure if if they wouldn't pull the you know. If well, they, they you know, they might. Yeah. But if the other side is uh, not getting this through at all, or in some cases having to means test, I don't know. I'd rather just uh, lop the years off enough uh, from all of the programs to be yeah. able to fully fund them, but just not for as long. And uh, I, I think, yeah, I think if that, if, I, I agree with you, Brad. I think if that's an option, I, I would rather see that because, you know, like I said, the idea of, Spending less on climate change, or the idea of mm-hmm. not moving forward on childcare, is just—it's just heartbreaking to think about, yep. you know. And it, at least doing it, at least doing it the way that way, the five-year plan or whatever, you know, it's—it's it's a bit of a hail mary. But um, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, I mean, in theory, voters will like these programs. They'll, mm-hmm. you know, feel better about Democrats. So, I mean. Uh, 2022 is just going to be a tough year for Democrats because of a lot of things that are yeah. almost, you know beyond their control, unfortunately. But you know, maybe 2024, 2026, people will say, "Hey, you know what? We like we like getting childcare. You know, <laughs> yes. we like we we like." We like being able to send our kids to community college without paying tuition. We like getting something other than wars for all of our taxes. Maybe just that alone will get us there. Well, Bunch, i I got to get out here uh, very quickly. I'm I'm actually quite bullish. Uh, Even with all of this, I've said, you know, for the last few months, as I know you have, that this is going to be a minefield over the next few months that uh, Democrats are going to have to walk through. But I'm actually quite bullish on both the uh, both the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the yeah. larger Build Back Better actually getting passed and becoming transformative pieces of legislation, even if some severe constraints are placed uh, onto the latter. Are, are you uh, bullish at this hour? Yeah, I, ab- I absolutely am. And, you know, I mean, the fact that we're having this debate, I mean, this is a debate we weren't having two years ago about... Yeah whether it's $200 billion a year or $350 billion a year, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the option two years ago was zero, zero dollars a yep. year. So, so it's better to be having this conversation than the other one. And, and you know, and when, when, you, when you add up, you know, the, the $1.9 trillion COVID relief plan, you know, a yep. billion for in, infrastructure or, you know, it's not, all, it's not all new money, but whatever, mm-hmm. you know, hundreds of, mil, you know, hundreds of billions for infrastructure. Yep. Uh, you know, and even, even if this plan is, Two point two trillion instead of three point five trillion. When you add that all up, I mean, uh, you know, when he was talking about when he was talking about six trillion dollars in new programs at the start of his term, no one thought he would probably get all of that, and he wouldn't be he wouldn't be getting all of that, but he'd be getting a lot of yep. it. So yeah, a trillion, good. a trillion here, a trillion there. Uh, eventually, when you're, you're talking about real money, right? There you go. Will Bunch is uh, the longtime national columnist at the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can find his work at Inquirer.com, and you can sign up for his weekly newsletter at Inquirer.com slash Bunch. You should sign up for it, and you can also follow him on the Twitters at Will underscore Bunch. Always uh, a delight and an honor to speak with you, Will. Thanks for uh, taking some time out for us today, my friend. No, Brad, I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thank you. Oh, and, well, we'll have you on before that book comes out in 2022 uh, to talk about your new book. What's the title? You, I don't know if you ever gave it to us. It, like, the ten, I'll tell you the tentative title. The tentative title is Resent You, You Being You, period, not nice. Y-O-U. Uh, how college broke the American dream and divided the nation and how to fix it. Nice. We will look forward to that. Uh, Thanks, Will. Really appreciate it, my friend. All right, Brad. Yep, same here. Thanks. You bet.
Okay. Um, really quick, though, yeah. I just wanted to say that you guys yeah. were talking about, of course, means testing. Manchin and Republicans are what they really are objecting to is, to me, this radical idea that non-rich working Americans should ever get anything in return for the taxes that they pay. You know, like the corporations and the mm-hmm. rich do. They get a lot in return for the taxes. Well, that they're they saying pay. non-rich people. They can have it, but it's just the rich people that can't is what Yeah, but the whole saying. idea of cutting the top line, of cutting these programs that are so vital to Americans, yeah. cutting them down to some size that Manchin arbitrarily feels is acceptable means that Americans don't get in return for their taxes very yeah. much at all. That's what the child care tax credit is for. That's what free community college is mm-hmm. for. These are the things that people can pay taxes for in other countries that they get back. But the United States, no, we don't get any. These programs are very popular. And, uh, you know, if the rich people don't wish to take advantage of them, nobody is forcing them to. But, yeah, you know, this is what the American people want. Now, what you should be worried about, Desi Doyen, is that he's posturing that, oh, these need to be means tested. And he finally gets the Democrats. He finally says, "Okay, I'll tell you what, we won't means test these. So instead, to save money, let's lop out 700 billion that we were planning to spend on moving off of fossil fuel. Yeah. And and that would be that would be horrible. That is a terrible thing that we would (laughs) have to watch out for that. Like you're saying he's using that as as, as like a bargaining chip. It could be a tactic. You know, I will give up my uh, demand for means testing. What will you give up? Say your 700 billion dollar plan to move off of fossil fuels. Ain't sausage making fun? Ugh. Take a quick break, and we're back with our closing few minutes. Uh, If you think this is crazy, if you think what the (laughs) Democrats are doing is crazy, wait to see what the Republicans are up to. That's next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Crazy. Yes. I'm crazy. They are crazy. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. How crazy has the Republican Party become? Well, if our top story earlier today on the breaking news that Mitch McConnell appears to have blinked on the current debt ceiling standoff, uh, allowing Democrats to vote on their own for a temporary increase in the debt ceiling through December. If that is any indication, well, they are not yet entirely out of their flipping minds <laughs> and uh, they're not yet prepared to blow the entire country and its economy and the global economy with it up. Not yet anyway, but boy, howdy, it's getting scary out there. As uh, GOP elected officials are now getting more and more aggressive and insane, even turning on their own fellow elected GOP officials. So is Idaho's Lieutenant Governor 
Janice McGeechan insane? I don't know. Or is she insane like a fox? Maybe. Uh, Idaho Lieutenant Governor Janice. Maybe that's Janice. I think that's Janice. Let's go with Janice. Uh, Janice McGeechan uh, has taken to pretending to be the state's regular governor. She's the lieutenant governor in Idaho. But she's pretending to be the state's regular governor whenever governor, the real governor, Brad Little, who's also a Republican, whenever he's out of town. Seriously. McGeechan, who is herself running for governor, uh, she's about uh, she's one of about 11 who have currently declared that they're vying for the GOP nomination uh, for governor next year, including, uh, by the way, uh, Eamon Bundy. The, the oh, Remember him? Guy. Yeah, he's he's also running for governor in Idaho. Brad Little, the governor, the current governor, he's expected to run for reelection. He's not yet declared, but everybody thinks he's going to. Anyway, McGeechan has used the opportunity of Governor Little being out of state to throw red meat to the very far right wing base in Idaho in her latest gubernatorial cosplay, cosplay, as TPM's Christine Cabrera reports uh, this afternoon. Cosplay, for those who don't know, is... Costume play. Costume play. You dress up as the character you want to be. Right. You see it at the comic conventions all the time. Right. So she's dressing up. She's playing at governor. McGeechan actually issued an executive order on Tuesday banning workplace vaccine requirements while Governor Little was away in Texas with other GOP governors at the border. McGeechan announced via Twitter, quote, Today, as acting governor... I fixed Governor Little's executive order on vaccine passports to make sure that K-12 schools and universities cannot require vaccinations or require mandatory testing. She said, I will continue to fight for your individual liberty. That seems like a problem. You think? Mind you, this is Idaho where the entire state has had to recently declare uh, for hospitals across the entire state critical care standards due to the surge of COVID-19 in recent weeks. Critical care standards means the rationing of health care, that it's only given to those most likely to survive while everyone else is afforded comfort care, palliative care, as they're allowed to die because there are no more ICU beds for them. And this loon, Lieutenant Governor, play acting as governor, is rescinding vaccination and testing mandates at schools in the state as soon as the governor uh, crosses the border for five minutes. On the same day, McGeechan also tried to get <laughs> to get Major General Michael Garshak, the adjutant general of Idaho, to help her deploy the state's National Guard troops to the southern border. What? I'm not kidding. The governor is away. She's trying to deploy the state's National Guard to another state while he is out of the state. As of Wednesday, she claimed in a letter to Garshak, quote, my constitutional authority as governor affords me the power of activating the Idaho National Guard. Luckily, Garshak shot that down in a one paragraph response, telling the lieutenant governor that he was, quote, unaware of any request for Idaho National Guard assistance from either Texas or Arizona. He said, as you are aware, the Idaho National Guard is not a law enforcement agency. 
the real governor, Brad Little, was reportedly less than pleased about McGeechan's play acting. Little, who is in Texas right now with uh, wringing his hands over what the GOP claims to be President Joe Biden's border crisis, accused McGeechan of political grandstanding and, yes, of tyranny, which is correct in this case. Uh, He left a statement on uh, Facebook saying, I am in Texas performing my duties as the duly elected governor of Idaho, and I have not authorized the lieutenant governor to act on my behalf. He says she uh, uh, the lieutenant governor had unabashedly asked Garshak about Idaho's National Guard before I even left the state. This is how crazy they are. And by the way, this was not the only time that McGeechan has hijacked the governor's office in Little's absence. She also put a ban on mask mandates in place in May while Little was away at the Republican Governors Association conference in Tennessee for a couple of days. The governor repealed the ban when he got back. He accused her of government tyranny. The type that she claims to oppose called it an irresponsible, self-serving political stunt. And in this case, once again, he had to announce, I will be rescinding and reversing any actions taken by the lieutenant governor when I return. This is how crazy they now are. Wow. Anyway, with that... We're out of here. My thanks to our <laughs> producer, Desi Doyen, and to my guest today, Will Bunch of the Philadelphia Inquirer, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's insane program, you can download it anytime for free. Yeah, there's some Democrats who may be bad, but take comfort. Republicans are way worse. <laughs> you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. I will see you there until we see you here next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. And I'm crazy for love.